Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Hello, everybody. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. I, I tell you what, this is a topic that is just a just a favorite of mine. Um, Me too, Hal, because, well, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about teaching kids to love history. Uh-huh. And I hated history growing up, and now I love it. What made the difference for you? Well... I think it's the way that history was taught versus the way we've taught our kids' history. Because when I was in school, okay, my world history class mm-hmm. consisted of sitting in desk mm-hmm. while the coach read aloud from the world history textbook and got mad if we turned the page ahead of him. Boy. It was excruciating because I read it about three times the speed he could read it. Yeah. And it was it was so boring. And then the tests were all about dates and times, mm-hmm. there are better ways to teach history than that. You know, there there is a book that one of my history teachers in high school mentioned, and I looked it up, and it's, it's really funny. If you like history already, it, it was a, a parody published years ago called 1066 and All That. Because they said... It's so funny. The, the person that wrote it said, in, in English history, there are only two dates you need to know. 1066... And I forget what the other one was, but, but it was basically, it was a, it was kind of like poorly remembered historical lessons from 12 years of school in, in England. But, but it was kind of funny. And he, I think he makes a point because you know what? I always, when somebody talks about the minutia of history, I always think the Smoot Hawley Terror Fact. Does anybody know what the Smoot Hawley Terror Fact is? Okay. Actually, I do. Because, Actually, it came up in discussion this week well, in the news. Didn't and it? well, see, after I was in that school, we, I changed schools, uh-huh. and I had a U.S. history teacher mm-hmm. who told stories. Right, and she told about history like it was happening right now, mm-hmm. and she taught about the Smoot Holly Tariff Act in a way that was engaging and that I remembered. Well, and see, I, and I remember the name of that act, and it did come up in the news recently in some discussion. But, it, you know, it was one of those things that it seemed like a really specific detail that didn't have a lot of uh, didn't have a lot of current events, uh, you know, relevance. But kind of let's, let's go back. Let's well, go back a step. What you know, I remember uh-huh. when we lived in Louisiana. Yeah. And I found out that the local school district, which was really big because we lived near the state capitol, uh-huh. had a depot where anybody could go and get textbooks free. Right. And I was mm-hmm. really excited to find a Louisiana history book. And we're new homeschoolers, and we're all excited about this. And, and Louisiana history is 
fascinating, y'all. Oh, you've got the you've got DeSoto, and you've got the Indians, and you've got the Cajun migration, and you've got all the, kinds of the war, Civil War, and you've got the riverboat gamblers, got, and, and, and Andrew Jackson in the Battle of New Orleans during the and it, even the modern history, you know. Oh, Huey Louisiana, P. Long, gosh, Louisiana had a the Kingfisher that put that when he died, they found cash packed in the walls of the governor's mansion. Oh, gosh. It, it is such a fascinating... Um, Wild and woolly, crazy. Variegated, multicultural place. And so, yeah, so we it's found like, this middle school history book. And I got it home, and I opened it up, and I started reading it. Uh-huh. And y'all, Huey P. Long, fascinating, larger-than-life character. Yeah. Criminal, but fascinating character. Yeah. And it says... The administration of Huey P. Long was known for changes in the Department of Education. It was so boring. Oh, it killed it dead. I Just mean, murdered absolutely it. Absolutely murdered And you think, those poor kids, you know, there's probably sixth graders who come in thinking, I'm going to learn all about the interesting history of the Pelican State. And they walked away and said, what a dull place I live in. So you know, how can you teach, teach history in an interesting way? Well, let's let's back up a step. Okay. Why should you teach history? I mean, we're living in a technology age. We, we, we can, you know, why, why should we even worry about things in the past? Well, what is that saying? Mm-hmm. That those that don't know history are doomed to repeat it? Well, you know, look at the Bible. The Bible, so much of the Bible is historical record. Where we see God's hand in the lives of the people and the history of the kings and the rulers. And we see mm-hmm. the acts of God through history. And over and over again, God tells his people, he said, he said, I want you to celebrate these annual festivals. And there's even, here's even kind of a script that you should, when you gather as a family, that you should ask yourselves, you should allow your children to ask you, why is this night different than all the others? Yes. And then you talk about God's deliverance from Teach bondage. Teach these things to your children. Yes, and in, and in the in the Psalms it says for the children, ask your fathers, ask the elders, and they will tell you. I mean, that's that's something God says that there is a value to understanding history and the legacy of the times past. Well, He tells us to set up stones of remembrance right. in different places in the Old Testament. Right. That you know, we are supposed to be teaching our kids what God has done in the past. And, you know, I see, mm-hmm. the value I see is that it informs the present, too. Because when people start discussing, you know, certain political systems, and I hear people saying, oh, this is wonderful, and everybody's going to have plenty to eat, and it's going to be mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the way that political system has been instituted in the past, and I say, whoa, that's not going to work. Well, you see that over and over again with policies. Somebody comes up and says, oh, we've got this great new taxation policy or this great new tariff or, or we're, we're going to do this, this social program. And if you understand history, you can look back and see this has been tried before. It's been tried before here or it's been tried before in other developed Western nations. And here were the, here were the outcomes. Well, you know, what? I remember one of our boys saying mm-hmm. that they started talking about socialism in his college and getting really excited about socialism. Mm -hmm. And the international students from Eastern Europe got very upset. Uh And they said, wait a minute, you don't know what you're talking about. We've seen this. Because either they lived under socialism themselves or their parents and grandparents had survived socialism. And so they had firsthand knowledge of this and the history was very alive to them. And, and, you know, I think it was, um, William Faulkner said, uh, in in uh, in the South, the, the past isn't dead. In fact, the past isn't even really past. 
You know that there's a lot. There's a sense of history in a lot of places that that's that, important. It's that important, is important to, to the culture. And it's important. So, it informs the culture. Mm-hmm. It informs decisions we make now. Right. And so, yeah, studying history is important. Right. But it's not. It's not studying the dates. That's important. It's not just memorizing lists. That's not important. Something. And I want to talk about what makes it interesting and how you can make it come alive for your kids after we hear from our sponsor for this week's episode. All right. All right. We'll be right back. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Okay, so we're talking about the value of teaching history and how you make it come alive for your kids. You know, I think that knowing why we're studying history informs how we teach history. We talked about why is it important to understand history? Mm -hmm. Because we see God's hand in history. So a knowledge of God is an important part of studying history. Right. Because... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, is what it says in the Proverbs. And because it inform it tells us what about culture, our culture and other cultures, and mm-hmm. it informs our decisions in the present. Does any of that involve dates? You know, I was going to just say that because when you look at when you look at God's institution of the Passover and the memorial feast of different sorts, He never says, and you need to tell them that this was this was twenty five hundred years before you were born, my son. Right. You know, it doesn't say. And on this date, um, that's not the important thing. Although no. there uh, is, it, it is important, I think, to have a, some idea of sequence. Yeah, I was just about to say that. There now. you go. Ooh, the brains Ooh, are just, yeah. yes, we're coordinated here. Yeah, you, you need to know the context, the sequence. You need to know this happened before that happened. Uh-huh. Because often what happened first shapes what happens afterwards. Right. And so you, and so you, in like in American history, you should understand there was a colonial period and then there was a revolution followed by the Constitution. And then after a period of time, there was the Civil War. And then what happened generally after the Civil War before the First World War to, to be able to at least put markers on the timeline. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily say, does the, do we count the First World War as starting in 1914 when the Germans opened up hostilities or do we consider it from 1917 when the Americans came into the war? Or do we consider it even before then Mm -hmm. when those treaties were made that led to the First World War? Right. And the consolidation of the German Empire under Bismarck in the 1880s. Yeah. Right. So, anyway, having having an idea at least of sequencing is good. Yes. And having the broad broad narrative down. Yeah. A, A a timeline can help with that uh-huh. to have an idea of what incidents came before what. It doesn't have to be super detailed. Right. You know, but just have an idea of what happened first, second, third. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, timelines can help. But, you know, I really think the critical part of telling, of learning mm-hmm. history is story. Right. It's a narrative. 
Yes. I think it, it is an account, if you well, will. You know, I remember, I remember when we first read the manuscript for A Cry from Egypt. Yes. That's a book we published. Right. That when she submitted that manuscript to me and I started reading it, mm-hmm. I was completely blown away because I had not really thought about the time before the Exodus, the plagues and all that, mm-hmm. from the perspective of an ordinary Jewish family that didn't know what was going on. That is so true of, of biblical accounts because, you know, if we're in a, in a church or a Sunday school that even references the Bible, we've all heard stories, but but we don't often sit back and think, we know how the story ends. Yes. You know, we say, well, of course, that you know, God saves the Jews and takes them out of Egypt and they go to the promised land. If, if you're sitting there under bondage, uh, under the, the pharaohs of Egypt, you, I mean, you may have a prophetic promise, but you don't know when that's going to happen. You don't know if you're ever going to see it. You don't know if it's ever going to change in your lifetime. And it's really important, I think, to put ourselves into the context of, of the time, you know, to say, what did they know? What did they have to undergo? What were their points of uncertainty? Yes. And, and, and that, I think that gives us more grace for people to say, you know, we, we know the outcome. He did not. They didn't. Well, and so I think that biography is a wonderful way to study history because oh, I love biographies. You, you, be, you see it from some individual's perspective. Right. And you see the, th- the things happening around them. You know, particularly biographies that are told as narratives. Right. That you right. you can kind of enter into that person's perspective in life and see it through their eyes. And you see how the story unfolds. And you see their uncertainty that they reach a point of decision and they don't know what the outcome is going to be. And I've got different options I have to consider. How do I decide? And I, I think that's really important because I think one of the one of the real benefits of reading biography is the study of character yes of d- the development of somebody's character and when you when you have a biography that's you know fair that that's that's accurate in portraying somebody you understand a great person oftentimes also has faults you know yeah. we uh, all have always faults. Has faults. we always have faults sometimes we have great faults sometimes a great person makes a really bad mistake at some point. And it's important to see, well, how did that develop? Did they understand it? How did they respond to it? What can I learn from their example? And Absolutely. Yeah, so so we taught our kids using lots of biographies, using lots of narratives. Yeah, um, probably your source documents. That's, that's a fancy term right. that means things written at the time the history was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I was fascinated when we were studying U.S. history with our kids to read some of the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers. And again, we know how the story ends, but at the time, there was an awful lot of debate about it. And, and to see the debate, to see the things they argued about, and to see some of their concerns mm-hmm. actually came true. Yeah, and to see why why they would put together a written constitution, which, by the way, was an innovation. Britain, to this day, does not have a written constitution. Israel does not have a written constitution right wow. now. And, and to say, hey, we're going to sit down and we're going to formulate how this country will operate with a written document. And as soon as they get that resolved, they then have to say, and here's 10 amendments to the to the plan. 
Right. Know, because, because people it, raised issues. They saw, hey, we need to be sure that we're protecting things. And I'm so thankful they did. Can you imagine mm-hmm. what would have happened without those 10 amendments? Well, you can see where some people are trying to push them to the side right now, and you can see the mischief brewing. Yeah, so, that we needed our rights to be enumerated. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah. So, using source documents. You know, one yeah, thing that people don't... But, and we've what, got so much more we want to say. What do you think about... Let's do another episode on this. Oh, we could certainly do that. So, is there anything else we need to wrap up here? We talked about the value of narrative and the value of using source documents values of biographies you have more that you want to open up well let me say a couple more things about uh-huh. primary source documents right the huge value of primary source documents is that it strips away our bias uh-huh because when we look back at what was happening yeah we're interpreting what happened on the basis of 50 years or 200 years or 2000 years right and we put our own biases and and our values, and we judge uh, by that. Right. But when we look at the primary source documents, we can find out what those people were really thinking. Mm-hmm. And that was really surprising to me as we read some of the primary source documents with our kids, as we read Christopher Columbus's journals, yeah. as we read. And, and you find out both horrifying things, and you think, how could they have done that? And you also find out, but wait a minute, his motivation in this area was really good. Yeah. He just made, they, but they made really bad decisions in, in doing this. You know, it, it changes our perspective. It gives us, I think, a truer perspective. One of, our, one of the people in our group asked, how can mm-hmm. you find true history? Mm-hmm. Well, I think primary source documents is one way that we find true history. Look for the stuff that was written at the time it happened. And read what the people said at that time. And also... And I think maybe we ought to open this up in another episode. Look at histories which were written close to the time. Right. And, and I've got some things I want to say about that. So let, let's do another another discussion let's do. about that. And also some unexpected things like how can you do hands-on history? We yes. can't go out and make history. But I want to talk yes. about how we did that. I want to talk about the role of fiction in history, too. Excellent. Okay, so I hope you'll join us again. We're going to continue opening up this really rich topic and... We encourage you to check in with our sponsor, who is kind of in a historical mode themselves right now. And look, we really appreciate you joining us, okay? And so until next time... I'm Melanie. And I'm Hal. Thank you for being with us. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D. M-E-L-A-N-I-E dot com or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Alan Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.